when we get to heaven, we're going to get all the answers. We may not get a one of them. We may not get a one of them. He may not tell us why he did anything. He doesn't have to. He's God. He can do what he wants to when he wants to without my approval of that. And uh, I'm thankful it's that way. Uh, you realize how much worry he saves us by just taking care of things for us. As much stress as we've already got, he just takes care of a bunch of things for us. Keeps us from having to worry and stress over. And I appreciate that. You have your Bibles tonight, John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. And uh, I hope this has not been boring to you. This has been exciting to me to preach the gospel through the eyes of John, the beloved. To be able to share the gospel on a Wednesday night. And I, the crowd's not tonight what it normally is. And uh, I look around and I mean, in my mind, it looks like everybody here that I know is saved. I mean, it looks like folks that are regulars to the house of God, that are faithful to the things of God. Never run into any of you in places you ought not be. I've never heard anything foul out of your mouth. I've never, uh, never, uh, some of you figured that out. I didn't run into you at places you ought not be. That means I was somewhere I shouldn't have been. Amen. Some of you is giggling a little bit about that, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. We've not run into each other. We've, we're good moral people according to how the world would see things. But we all do know that the Bible said there is none good, no, not one. There's none righteous. There's none that seeketh after righteousness. Uh, we're all just sinners. Uh, sinners saved by grace if we're saved, and hopefully, hopefully, Everybody in this building tonight is saved. Maybe someone's listening on the internet that's not. Uh, maybe, maybe what I'm preaching on Wednesday nights and tonight will see deeply in the heart of some of these young children that have not yet accepted Christ. And maybe it'll restir something in our souls for what Christ did for us as children of God. We preached last week the first three verses of chapter number three. We talked about the man Nicodemus. We talked about the miracles of Christ. And we talked about Christ's message. His message was, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we spoke of those three things last week. I want to begin in verse number four tonight. The Bible said, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, 
and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. That is where I'll stop reading this evening. Again, uh, we have spoken much about this uh, terminology that is introduced to us in the Word of God in John chapter number 3. One writer said this, he said, It is probably the greatest uh, vocabulary, the greatest terminology uh, that's ever been given to our Christian faith, the term born again. It is such great words, they are such great words that they have been used in many, many different ways. The writer said this, he said, I remember, uh, he said as a young boy, he said he remembered uh, when uh, Billy, or Jimmy Carter rather, uh, first announced that he was a born again Christian, how that his heart swelled to hear uh, someone born again. But he said later on in life, he heard, uh, he heard the fellow that, uh, produces Hustler Magazine, which is a pornographic magazine for those that may not know. He said, Larry Flynn said that he was born again. And he said as time progressed, he began to hear people uh, that were in illicit sexual activities in the world say that they were born again. And then as time went on, he heard uh, folks trying to revitalize certain television programs uh, referring to those programs being born again. And what he was saying is the terminology has lost its fervor in many's minds and it has lost its definition and its reality uh, to a lot of people. And, uh, but the term born again is still, still the necessary means of salvation for those that are lost and on their way to hell. If I had a thought I want to relay to you tonight, it would simply be this. Speaking about Nicodemus, his question about how can a man be born when he is old, the thought that is in my mind is when truth confounds what we have been taught. When truth confounds what we've been taught. And that is going to be the case with Nicodemus. The truth of the gospel is going to come face to face with everything that Nicodemus has been taught in his life. It is going to come face to face with everything that Nicodemus had been trained to be. And I want to say this to you, Nicodemus was not a bad man. He was a religious man. He dressed right. He talked right. He acted right. He parted his hair on the right side. He did everything that religion said a man has to do to be able to go to heaven. He was a keeper of the law. He was not only a keeper of the Mosaic law and a garter of the Mosaic law, he was also a keeper of the oral law, the Mishnah. He, he protected those things and guarded those things that were true and dear uh, to the religious community. Nicodemus uh, was a man that was popular among the people of the area. Uh, they knew they could go to him and trust him with uh, the things they needed to talk to him about. But the truth of eternity is going to come face to face uh, uh, with everything that Nicodemus knew to be right. And it will confound that. It has brought confusion to his mind in the dialogue that we have in John chapter number 3. The conversation 
with Christ. Christ didn't waste any time talking about the carnal things like miracles. And he didn't waste time talking with Nicodemus about his accomplishments and all that he had done in the religious realm. He did not waste time talking about ritual and talking about a routine. Christ went straight to the source and said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, Nicodemus, here's the truth. Let's face what you've been raised and taught to be with truth. This has brought confusion to the mind of Nicodemus. He asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can you not almost just hear the confusion in his voice and see his forehead squinted up and his eyebrows messed up going, I don't understand what you're telling me, I'm a Jew, I've been raised according to the, to the law, I've been raised in Judaism, believing in God, I have been taught all of these things my entire life, and I don't understand what you're telling me. We find in the text tonight that uh, we've, already, uh, we've already discussed... Uh, uh, the, all of the possibilities of the nighttime meeting and all of the things uh, that brought Nicodemus to this place. Uh, but once again, the major doctrine of the whole Bible, the major teaching of, from Genesis to Revelation is fixing to be given to Nicodemus in a, in a crash course nighttime visit with a Pharisee. Jesus is fixing to sum up the entire purpose of the Word of God with one sentence by saying, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. If that's all we had of the Word of God, it would be enough. It would be enough. This leads us tonight to the Scripture, these verses that we've read to you. And as we look here at the reaction or the response of Nicodemus, I want to see... Uh, I want to see the truths, uh, these great truths of salvation that are detailed by the very Lamb of God, by the very sacrifice that will provide salvation. He is about to tell us the truth about salvation to a Pharisee who's trusting in himself. Nicodemus was a smart man. He was not dumb by any means of the imagination at all. There was no ignorance in him. So when he asked the question, it does not indicate that he was unlearned or ignorant. As the Bible speaks of Peter and John, when he says these men saw that they were ignorant and unlearned, he is not that. Nobody would have accused Nicodemus of being ignorant and unlearned, but rather it displays the confusion about what is being said to him as opposed to what he has known his entire life. What his mama and daddy taught him growing up. If somebody walked up to him in the church and said, uh, Nicodemus, could you tell me why it is that you believe in Judaism? He would probably give you some very intellectual answers, but it would probably boil down to this. The same answer that most uh, church people that I know give to every question. Well, because that's what my mom and daddy taught me. That would have probably been the answer of Nicodemus if you ask him, 
why he believed what he believed. That's what I've been taught my entire life. And you're not going to talk me into believing anything else because my daddy was such and such and my mama, I grew up in the church and they taught me from the time I was a boy what I know. Nicodemus probably would have answered that way. He was confused. He had been trained one way his whole life and now he has been told and being told, Nicodemus, you're going to have to start all over. Now listen, nobody would accuse Nicodemus of believing as an old man that he had to re-enter his mother's womb and be born again. Not even Nicodemus thought that was possible. But Nicodemus understood the terminology that was being given to him by Christ because when a proselyte came from the Gentiles and joined up with Judaism, it was their custom, so to speak, to tell that proselyte that you're going to have to start all over. You're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to forget everything you've been taught and go back to the beginning. Thus the confusion in the mind of a Jew that would have been considered God's chosen people that were the choice in the land. God had touched the Jews and still does touch the Jews in the days and the hour that we live. And Nicodemus thought he had everything necessary to achieve heaven. The first great great truth, understanding that Understanding that Nicodemus must start all over, that first great truth that Nicodemus must realize that what he was, who he was, where he came from, and all that he had been taught were just simply not enough. It's just not enough. What he was as a Pharisee, I mean, a religious leader, the Bible said. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, they would consult him on many different matters and many different occasions. Uh, they would come to Nicodemus and say, hey, we need counsel, we need help. Nicodemus had influence. He was high up of the ladder in the religious world. But Christ said, that's not it. Who he was born of, who he who he was physically in order to be uh, what he was. He, of course, had to be a Jew. Uh, that in itself uh, should have meant something, right? Uh, but Christ said, no, uh, that's not enough, Nicodemus. Uh, you're going to have to come the same way uh, that the Gentile comes. Uh, uh, you're going to have to forget everything that you know, everything that you think you are, and start all over. This great truth... It's just simply that what we have is not enough. A ruler of the Jews is inadequate for the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, I think, was ready. I think Nicodemus was ready to jump on board a political train and back the Messiah all the way to the palace as king of the Jews. 
I think he had seen enough in Christ to believe that he was a, a king and that he believed that he would take the throne. But Nicodemus was not looking at the right throne. He was looking at the carnal throne. He was looking in the political realm. He was looking at a king that would destroy their enemies just like the world was looking for. But Jesus came to the crossroads and was looking at another throne, a spiritual throne, a heavenly throne, a kingdom that He'll rule and reign over with a rod of iron, a kingdom that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, a kingdom that He will have His bride and He will be the supreme. That king, Nicodemus wasn't seeing that yet. Christ said, Nicodemus, it's just simply not enough. You're going to have to begin again, start all over. I never was much of a video game rat as these kids are today. They stay in front of those games all the time and, and uh, they have all these codes and if you go out, if I was to go, if I was to go play Tyler's game and, and I was to be logged in under him and I left without saving, he would lose a lot of what he had done, and he would not be happy with me. And uh, in our day, it's about keeping up and keeping the things together. And, and Nicodemus, listen, it's, it's just not enough. You, you're going to lose all of those things, Nicodemus. You can't hang on to a cheat code and keep all that you have here and still get to heaven on that same it is the idea that Paul used when Paul said, I count all but loss that I may know Christ. Paul said, my education, he said, my background, my family heritage. Uh, he said, it all means nothing that I may win Christ. It is the same principle of being preached by Paul uh, that Jesus, uh, the Lamb of God, delivered uh, to Nicodemus here on this night and this private meeting. Truth has confronted and confounded everything that Nicodemus has been taught. Nicodemus, I believe, was ready to jump on that political train. I believe he was going to promote Jesus all the way to the king, uh, the king's seat. The problem was, it was a different kingdom. It was an earthly kingdom. To hear that news that you must be born again would have devastated a religious leader. Would have devastated him. I'll never forget the night I, I walked into a church in Gray, Tennessee, and and I uh, was going there for revival to hear a man preach. And an uh, old man walked up to me. He was nearly 100 years old when he walked up to me. And, and I had on a suit and tie. And I thought everybody in the world ought to look at me and know I was a preacher. And the old fellow ran up to me and he said, Hey, are you saved? I said, Sir, I said, I'm a preacher. I'm the pastor down at such and such church. He said, I didn't ask you if you was a preacher. I asked you, are you saved? Right. He wasn't quiet about it. 
We were standing in the front of the church and I thought, my land, this old fella probably ain't right in his mind. Uh, his name was Mr. Page uh, and when he died at 103 years old, I believe it was, uh, uh, Mr. Page was still asking everybody he saw, are you saved? See, a railroad car turned over on him when he was lost. They gave him up for dead and left him under there and he got born again, got saved because of a railroad car turning over on him and he said it was his job to tell everybody he knew about Jesus. The point I'm trying to make with that story is this. Asking a preacher if he's saved is about like telling a Pharisee he don't have enough to get to heaven. It's disappointing to hear. I felt like everybody ought to know who I was. Felt like everybody ought to recognize, uh, you know, that good spirit on a preacher. They ought to recognize the touch of God. Ah, that's hogwash. Uh, the reality is, uh, in everything we've got, the best we have, uh, the best dressed we can get, uh, uh, partner hair right, making sure everything uh, is just right together, it's not enough. And it's devastating for some people to hear that as good as I am, it's not enough. The news of not having enough would have absolutely took the wind out of the sails of this Pharisee. Nicodemus quite possibly was the greatest teacher of his day. He called Christ rabbi. He, it would be the equivalent, him calling Christ rabbi would be the equivalent of us putting the label doctor on someone. It was a high honor. He called him doctor and, and it's quite possible Nicodemus was the greatest teacher of his day. And Christ has to say to him, Nicodemus, thou art a teacher in Israel and thou knowest not these things. How can you not understand uh, that all of your ritual, all of your routine, uh, all of your religion is not enough? It's just not enough. We can mark it down any way that we want to mark it down. We just are not enough to make the kingdom of God on our own. We're just not enough. I don't see anybody here. I don't know of anybody in this building that I think are just bad. Matter of fact, I've got confidence in about everybody here that you'd do your best to help your brother in need, that you'd pay your tithe, that you'd do what's right, that you pray. I've got confidence that at least five minutes a day you read and pray and talk to the Lord. But the reality is it's not enough to get you to heaven. It's not enough. It's just not enough. Here's the thrust of salvation that Christ is pushing to Nicodemus. The thrust is this, you can't do it, Nicodemus. 
You can't do it. It's not in you to do it. What's in us? What was in Nicodemus? The nature of Adam was in Nicodemus. A sin nature. A cursed nature. A nature that was corrupt. A nature uh, that uh, did not have the ability to get ourselves back to God when man fell in the Garden of Eden. A nature that has absolutely destroyed the human race as we know it. This truth is, Nicodemus, you do not have enough. That's sad, isn't it? Wasn't it the psalmist David that said when he made the statement, no man cared for my soul. Some of the saddest scripture in all of the Bible, no man cared for my soul. Paul said in one place, he said when he at first looked around, he said there's no one stood with him. That's a lonely place to be to know that you don't have enough. Nicodemus said, come to the Lord by night. Nicodemus comes seeking answers. Nicodemus come inquiring, looking for what he had to do to go to heaven. I believe he thought Jesus uh, was who he said he was. He had just not yet put everything together. And he walks upon the man. What do I have to do to get to heaven? Jesus says, Nicodemus, you don't have enough. You can't do enough. You can't be good enough. You don't have enough letters to put behind your name to make you good enough. You don't have enough money in your bank account to buy your way in. The gold in Fort Knox will not get you in. There's nothing, Nicodemus, in you that can do what you're asking. But here's going to drop another bomb on him. He said, Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. The word must is a real strong word. It's only used in a few places in the Bible as far as the Greek word for must that is used in our text. The word is necessity. It is necessary, Nicodemus, to be born again. It is, it is the same word must that Jesus said later, later down in the text that we'll get to later, when He was talking about the serpent being placed up on the rod, and He said, just like that serpent, the Son of Man must be lifted up. It is necessary for your salvation, Nicodemus, that you are to be born again. I know it is a difficult concept. I know it is hard for you to swallow. But Nicodemus, you're going to have to unlearn everything that you've been taught about getting to heaven. You're going to have to unlearn everything that you think you can do in yourself. You're going to have to pitch all of that by the wayside. You can't keep the law. You're not good enough to keep the law. You're not good enough enough to make it in. Forget all of that, but it is necessary that you get born again. It's necessary. But you can't do it. Let me 
get through this quickly. This great truth of the necessity of the new birth. Christ put an emphasis on this regeneration by using that word must. It is not optional, but it is mandatory. Religion will do nothing for a Pharisee or for anyone else. Only a new start. Only going back to the beginning. Only that being born again can change a person's destiny from hell to heaven. There's always a whole lot of discussion surrounding verse 5 as to what exactly he's saying when he says, a man born of water and of the Spirit, except he be born of both, he cannot enter at the kingdom of God. I've preached it about the water baptism. I do believe that Nicodemus would have been around in a time where he would have witnessed John the Baptist baptizing sinners as meats or fruits of their repentance. If he had that, believed they'd been saved, he'd baptize them. Nicodemus probably marveled at the fact that John the Baptist was baptizing Gentiles. But I believe there's something deeper involved in what is taking place Nicodemus was an Old Testament man. He understood understood the Old Testament ways of doing things. And there's scriptures in Samuel 10, 16, Isaiah 32 and 15, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, Joel 28 and 29, Jeremiah 33 or 31, 33, all talks about a cleansing in the water that Nicodemus would have understood and Nicodemus begins to put things together. I can't consecrate myself. I can't separate myself. I cannot do it myself. Now I understand, and you've heard me say this many times, I understand our minds and I understand our language and I know that many of us don't mean anything by it when we say it. But that's why we ought to be careful about saying, when I found the Lord, or that type, you understand what I'm saying. I didn't do that. I didn't find Him because I weren't looking for Him. I was happy and satisfied in my sin and in my misery. I was satisfied living a life that was unpleasing to the Lord. I had no desire to change anything about me. I was not looking for change, but He came to me. I could not save myself. I had no desire to come up out of the muck and the mire, but He came down to where I was. Listen, He overrode what was in my mind and what was in my flesh, and He showed me who I was, and He showed me who He is, and then He did the saving. It does not separate the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man to repent. There's no dividing those things. He brings us to a place of repentance. And friend, when we repent, salvation takes place in the heart of a believer. But until He shows you that, quickens you, awakens you from where you are to realize who you are, you'll stay just like you are. 
dead because you can't do it. But it is necessary. How do we, how do we understand that? I don't. And I'm okay with saying I don't. I don't understand why God in heaven that rules and reigns over all that there is. I don't even know what all there is. As scientists have numbered as so many planets and so many galaxies. But friend, there's way more out there than what our natural eyes have ever seen. But a God in heaven that rules and reigns all of that took upon Himself the form of sinful flesh and was made like us that we might be born again. Why? Because we we are His workmanship and He loves us and He came and died for us that we might be saved. I can't wrap my mind around that. Dear God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't save me over, over the way I've acted today and I ain't done anything but read my Bible and study all day today. But I couldn't stay concentrated as long as I wanted to. I'd have to get up and walk around and I'd think, dear God, why can't I just keep my mind where it needs to be? That alone, well, I'd send myself to hell over that if I'd have been Him. But He didn't do that. And I can't understand that. I can't understand why He'd open my eyes, show me who I was, bring me to the point of repentance uh, and make a way for me to be saved knowing everything that He knows about me. But he did it. <sighs> Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. <sighs> Y'all all right? I'm about done. I'm tired. <sighs> Listen, there's always a lot of discussion surrounding that flesh versus spirit. A lot make it about the baptism being the birth symbolizing of the sack that man is grown in and all of that. Many make it about the physical birth, baptism, all of those different things. But Christ, I believe, related to Nicodemus things that he understood and the basic idea is still the same. Man can't produce salvation. It must come through the Spirit. Now, let me ask you this question right quickly. How many of you, how many of you had anything to do with your physical birth. Any of y'all have anything to do with that? Really? You mean to tell me you didn't punch and poke at your mama until she finally said, I've had enough. I hear you. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to bust you loose. You didn't have anything to do with that. And you want to know the honest truth about it? Neither did your mama. She just had to wait and wait and wait till the time of life came. And when the time of life came, God said it's time for that life to be born. That life was born. Ain't that right? They told Tyler and Sarah this week the due date for their little baby that's on the way. And it's June 23rd, is that right? June 23rd. And Willie said, man, the 25th is Barbara's birthday. You know what he wishes? 
He wishes it would be born on Barbara's birthday. But you know what he knows? He don't have no control over that. No control. You hear, my daughter is expecting in March and, and there's birthday. Hey, my birthday's February 21st. I said, man, maybe it'll come early. That's too early, but maybe it'll come early. But you know what? I don't have any control over that and neither does she. Nicodemus is quickly coming to the reality that he says, listen, Nicodemus, you don't have enough. Your status is not enough. Your bank account's not enough. Your works are not enough. Your ritual is not enough. Your church tradition and your church history is not enough, Nicodemus, but it is necessary that you be born again. Here's what he said, Nicodemus, if you could be born again, if you could literally Go back into your mother's womb and be born a second time. You'd still just be flesh. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh. But Nicodemus, if you were to be born again, the word again, the term, the phrase born again, literally translates translates to born from above. Nicodemus, if you were to be born again, if you were to be born from above, that would be a spiritual birth, and then that which is born there would be spirit. That's what it takes to go to heaven. Not a religious following. Not a trusting in man or man's rules, but a trusting the God of heaven for the means of our Salvation. Do you know when I first got saved and first surrendered to preach, I quit doing anything on Sunday. I quit eating out. and I mean, I, we didn't do anything. I'd go home and lay down. And many days I went back to church hungry. You know, and I'm not saying that's a bad practice to be in, but what I am saying is me skipping lunch on Sunday to keep from going to the restaurant ain't going to make me a better Christian. You follow me? That which is born of flesh is flesh. If what you're doing in your Christian life is doing nothing but dolling up the flesh, then that's just flesh. I mean, we're dolling up the outside and we're taking care of the outside. But the birthing process begins on the inside. Babies aren't born from the outside. Their mothers are born from the inside. And that's where life comes from. That umbilical cord attached, pumping life and nutrition and vitamins and all that it needs to grow that child. It happens from the inside. Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. Let me give you the last truth that I want to talk about tonight, and that is the nature of of this salvation, the nature of the salvation. Watch this. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Here's what he said in verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You ever talk to anybody that's really saved? And uh, you say, explain to me what salvation is. Most of the time they're going to say, I can't. I can't really explain it. 
You know, here's what, here's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. It's like going in, Nicodemus. He said, everyone, everyone that is born of the Spirit is this way. Everyone. Nobody is the exception. Everyone born of the Spirit is like this. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it was going next. You weren't looking for it. You're aware that wind is there. But you don't know where it starts. You don't know where it ends. The only thing you can see are the results of the wind. You can't touch the wind, but the wind can touch you. You can't make the wind do anything. The wind has a mind of its own. One minute it can be blowing north, the next minute the wind is blowing south. And if you're in the middle of a real bad storm, I was watching a football game the other night, the announcer said, man, you just can't tell what direction the wind is coming from. He said, one minute, have the flag on the end zone is going that way, have the next minute it's going that way. He said, you just can't tell where the wind is blowing. So it is in salvation. Brother Johnny, if I could... If I could bring every lost person I know into this building and I could say, Lord, I've brought them to you. And uh, Brother Phil will understand the terminology. He and I, we ain't done it in a long time, Brother Phil. And I'll be, be honest, some days I miss it and you tell me all the time, when you want to go ride and call me, just call me. But it's the same terminology about leading a horse to water. Take it to water, but you can't make it drink. I can bring them in here and sit them down and preach to every blessed one of them, but if the wind don't blow on their soul, then they got nothing but a 30, 45 minute preaching session. I can't make a sinner repent. I can't even make a sinner cry. Amen. I can't do it. But when the wind blows, when the wind blows, when the wind blows, a preacher can't mess it up. When the wind blows, a preacher can't stop it from happening. You know, I, as a child birthing is a, is a process that is just a guessing game. We say it might be born on June 23rd. Well, it could be born two weeks early. It could be born two weeks late. They say nowadays they won't let them go two weeks past. They only a week. But uh, listen, the reality is we got no control over over that we've got no control over salvation ours or anyone else's we can't control it what we can do is witness and we ought to what we can do is preach and we ought to we can teach and we ought to we can sing about it and we ought to amen we can live it and we ought to and then when the wind blows on that heart, it'll stir up something that they've heard or seen or experienced. And they'll say, man, that's, that's me he's calling. That's me he's talking to. The nature of salvation. We don't have any control over the nature of salvation. We like to think that we do. You might hear some of these sayings sometimes. If we can just get them to church... I know they'd get saved. Somebody said that about me one time and I got saved in a cemetery. It wasn't in church. 
because the wind wasn't blowing in church that night, but it was blowing up on that mountain. It blew across the avenues of my heart and my soul. I got born again. Friend, listen, we don't, we don't mean anything bad by our terminology. It's just simply what we've been taught. And uh, when truth comes to reality of what we've been taught, we might find out that some of the things we've been taught aren't exactly right. While I do believe in a whosoever will salvation, I do not believe in a whensoever salvation or a wheresoever salvation. It's going to be when and where God makes it happen, not where we think it can happen and what we think we can do. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And it's like the wind, Jesus said. It's like the wind. Nicodemus, how can thou be a master of Israel and knowest not these things? How can it be that you know all of this stuff and you don't know? It might be that Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, how could you not see the shadows in the Old Testament? How could you not see the pictures that I provided for you, pointing to the Messiah, pointing to that day. Now let me just clarify. The wind's going to blow on Nicodemus because you'll find him gathering the body of Jesus off the cross on that, on that day. He's there. And I believe we're going to see him in heaven. But it wasn't because he did anything because one day the wind blew on his heart. The sweet Spirit of God come by and touched him, spoke to him, called his name. And you know what I find great comfort in? I find great comfort in knowing that the same Spirit that spoke to Nicodemus come by and spoke to me. It's not a different one, Brother John. They not, he's, not, he's not changing out spirits every year or two, giving the other one a rest. It's the same Spirit that's still blowing, still touching and speaking to hearts. Jesus is teaching a Pharisee the greatest doctrine in the world. That is the doctrine of salvation. And in that great, deep well of teaching, Jesus made it so simple by saying, you can't do it. But in the next verses in the week to come, he's going to say, but I can. Just like Moses put the serpent on the rod in the wilderness, I'm going to be lifted up. While you can't do it, Christ can save sinners. And He will save sinners. All that will come to Him, He'll save them. Amen. It's the Word of God, isn't it? I believe it. If you'll come to Him, He'll save you. When can I come to Him? Well, you're going to have to talk to Him. And the wind. When that wind blows, you can come to him. That's scriptural, folks. That's scriptural. We can't be saved outside of the work of the Holy Spirit of God. His work in the Spirit is what brings us to the place of repentance. And that is His means of salvation for sinners.
That's what the Lord's put in my heart this night. Let's stand to our feet. Preach longer than I've intended to tonight. That's probably a result of the fact that I didn't get to preach Sunday. Nonetheless, I've cleared my heart and my soul what I feel like the Lord's put in there. Let me read this to you right quickly. I meant to read it and went back past it and didn't read it. Matthew Henry said, What he has said, speaking of Christ, said, What he has said, he will abide by. He will not retract any of his sayings for the ignorance or the mistakes of men. And he said, You must be born again. He was going to retract the statement. It would have been with somebody like Nicodemus that had high authority, that was a high church man, that was a good moral man. He was going to retract anything. He might have retracted for Nicodemus, but he won't. He'll not back off anything he's ever said. And he said, ye must be born again. Matthew Henry went on to say, the word of God is not yea and nay, but rather it is yea and amen. I say amen. Every word of God is true, and the Bible said, let God be true, and every man a liar.